0: I'm on a mission to motivate, inspire, and most importantly, let each and every food blogger, including you, know that you are heard and supported. I love talking about the topic of repurposing content because we all put so much love and energy and creativity into the amazing content that we create. So I love this idea of taking all of that and reusing it so that we don't always have to be creating new things because that's more energy and more time away from our loved ones, etc. So Rebecca Eisenberg from The Practical Kitchen joins me in this episode to talk about repurposing content, and she has a unique spin on it that I absolutely love. She has really tangible things that we can do to repurpose our content as opposed to just a broader perspective view of this topic. She tells us exactly what she does with filming video of her recipe while she's making it and how she can take that and use it up to four different times on social media in order to get the most out of it. She had a recipe go really viral Two years after creating the recipe, because she just had faith in it and she kept portraying it in a different light. And it finally took off and has literally changed her business. So, tune into this episode. You will be inspired to go back in your archives of your videos and photos and your blog posts and reuse the content that you've already created it's so cool i was super inspired listening to rebecca talk this is episode number 450 sponsored by the amazing rank iq food bloggers are you wanting to tap into additional revenue and improve your site experience for users chicory might be a great solution for you Chicory is a leading monetization platform for food bloggers, enabling you to integrate highly relevant shoppable ads into your recipe content and earn revenue from top CPG brands. Chicory's hyper-contextual ads and shoppable technology will help you improve your site experience and engagement, allowing your readers to go from inspiration to checkout in just a few clicks. Enjoy easy installation and ongoing access to the Chicory team at zero cost to you. Chicory makes it easy to track your earnings, optimize your blog content using Recipe Insights, and connect with its team. Plus, with integrations with leading ad networks such as Mediavine and 60-plus retailers, Chicory makes it so simple to get started earning revenue today. Head to eblogtalk.com forward slash resources and click the Chicory link to get started. Scroll down to the Chicory logo, click the button that says Learn More About Chicory, or you can go to chicory.co slash foodbloggers to learn more and sign up. That's chicory.co slash foodbloggers. Rebecca Eisenberg is a journalist turned food blogger who built a career at media and tech companies like BuzzFeed, Upworthy, Medium, and Headspace before launching The Practical Kitchen in 2019. In 2020, she got her pastry certification at Cambridge School of Culinary Arts, graduating as valedictorian of her class. The Practical Kitchen is a food blog geared toward ambitious beginner cooks and bakers, providing lots of in-depth tutorials and tips to give readers the confidence to try new things in the kitchen. The Practical Kitchen is known for unfussy, straightforward recipes and is particularly well-known for the viral mini focaccia recipe, as well as other mini bread recipes that use just one cup of flour. Rebecca, hello. How are you today? Thanks for being on the podcast. I am doing great. Hello. It is so exciting to be here, and I'm really glad to talk to you. Yay. This is such a great topic. We all pour our hearts and souls into our content, so repurposing is a very good thing to do, but we'll get into that in a second. First, we want to hear if you have a fun fact to share about yourself. Yes, my
1: fun fact is that I'm afraid of butterflies and mobs. Oh, gosh. Like, deeply since childhood, I failed a unit of biology in ninth grade because I would not open the chapter on metamorphosis because there were so many butterfly photos. I don't oh, know where it comes gosh. from, but I am oh. deeply afraid of butterflies and mobs.
0: Well, this is very <laughs> interesting because I currently have... Up to 20 monarch caterpillars upstairs in my home. Oh, my God. My actual nightmare. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I collect their eggs during this time of year. And then I like feed them and grow them and then release the monarch. So I'm so oh sorry, gosh. Rebecca, you would not like my house right
1: now. <laughs> no, I would not come over to your house right now. I know they do good things for the environment or the world, but I just, I don't want them near me.
0: Oh, that's so funny. Like for me, it's just the miracle, like watching that miracle transformation. I don't know. I've mm-hmm. always been drawn to that whole metamorphosis and, I just, every time I see a monarch, I'm like, oh, thank you. Like, it's so beautiful. So, oh, well, I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> and it's very funny that you mentioned that because we are in the throes. Like, these caterpillars we have right now are huge and eating they oh eat so much. So I have to go out every couple of hours <laughs> and find food for them. And it's like, my boys are like, you love them more than you love us. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you would never catch me doing that. Oh, gosh. Never in a million years. It's not for
0: everyone, right? That's No. We're all called to and have passions for different things, and that's proof of it. Well, okay, so you're here to chat about repurposing content, making the most of all that beautiful content you create. First, would you want to tell us just a little bit about your blog? Sure, yeah. So I started The Practical Kitchen in
1: 2019, so like almost four years ago, exactly. It was like late July, early August. I had built a career in like digital media and tech. I worked at Upworthy, Headspace, BuzzFeed, you know, digital media tech kind of places. And I burned out pretty hard and began freelancing. And while I was freelancing, I had some free time and I knew I loved cooking and I loved baking. And people kept telling me like, oh, you should start a food blog. And I was like, following recipes is so different from writing recipes, creating recipes, but I kind of had an inkling that I might want to go into food media. And so I decided to start a food blog in my spare time to find out, you know, do I like developing recipes as much as I like following them and at the same time sort of create a portfolio you know, that I could use if I applied to jobs. And then also I had a friend who's a blogger, not a food blogger, but I knew he had monetized his sites. And so I wanted to set myself up to be able to do that. You know, freelancing is hard and having something that like I could control on the side was very appealing. And it was shortly after that, some of my earliest things, I had a sourdough guide and a a sourdough discard recipe. And when the pandemic lockdowns Mm -hmm. happened, those two posts were ranking ridiculously well. And I began, so this was maybe six months after I started, began to kind of really get a sense that like, this blog could really be something more than a portfolio, more than a a hobby. That was kind of the first time I had something unexpected, like kind of go viral a little bit. And it was in 20, later in 2020, then that I, I decided I really wanted to do this for real and uh, moved across the country in a pandemic, went to pastry school so that I could really get kind of a crash course in in baking science and efficiency in the kitchen. And yeah, I mean, from there, my my site is very much, it doesn't have like a really tight niche, but I, I think of it as like creative recipes for practical people. It's creative recipes. So there's some cooking recipes, there's baking recipes. I'm doing mostly baking recipes these days. I write for a sort of ambitious beginner, someone who wants to do something really fun, but needs it explained in a way that's a little more beginner friendly. And it's, yeah, it's been just kind of a wild ride. I'm now doing it full time and it's been very exciting oh. and fun.
0: Well, congratulations. That's so awesome. I love hearing Everybody has such a different journey in the way they start and the way they kind of get into, you know, that thought of like what you said about, oh, there's something here. Mm-hmm. There's kind of a different thing that makes everyone click differently with that. So I I think that's so cool, the way you got started. So you've been really at it for like two and a half-ish years or so. I think four four years okay so I'm sorry I was like your pastry like when you just decided yeah sorry
1: yeah so I started in 2019 and yeah. then it was like a year later I did pastry school
0: yeah gotcha so you've yeah. been, been at it for a while and then at what point did you realize that you're like creating all this content and you maybe need to recycle some of it
1: I mean, I've been doing that since the beginning. My background, like coming up as an editor at digital media companies where budgets were constantly getting slashed, we were always looking for ways to repurpose thumbnails or, you know, oh, if this story did really well, what about it do we think worked that we could use for another story to make that story lower lift for us, but still bring in traffic, things like that. So, you know, we were always looking for ways to... Drive traffic back to the website. And so it would be one blog post, but it might have a video with it and an image and a link post and a photo post and a quote post. So we were always trying to do that. And that's you know, what I came up you know, in my career doing. And we often, uh, at Upworthy in particular, we would write 25 headlines per story because there's so many different angles you can take on one piece of content and you know we would test them to find the best ones but you can also take that approach and say I can share the same piece of content with five different headlines or share texts or whatever and see which one does best you don't need to constantly create something brand new sometimes just a new title on it helps it find an audience that it didn't find before yeah so I knew from the beginning when I set up my site that I wanted to prioritize slow, steady search engine growth. I was trying to avoid chasing virality, chasing fickle social media stuff. And so I really wanted to find a way to create content that would allow me to focus primarily on my site and not constantly be chasing social media while still keeping my social media fresh.
0: Okay. Yeah. I love how your previous job tied into the way that you see, like your whole perspective on content and like a title change, right? Like that's so Mm -hmm. easy. Just changing a title and it's the same content can totally redo it. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah. That's so cool. So in what ways do you think through repurposing your content on your blog? Are there Categories? Do you go like you know, like think about video titles? Like, what are all the things that you think about when it comes to repurposing?
1: I'm like pretty chaotic when it comes (laughs) to (laughs) the way I do content, and I'm I'm constantly working on like trying to turn that chaos into something sort of organized. So for a while, you know, I would film every recipe on my phone, and then I would just edit a reel. I'd be like thirty seconds. Here's my reel put it out there. now I have more of a system where for every recipe I film, I cut three reels out of it. I cut like a long one that's you know maybe 30 seconds to a minute. I cut a shorter one that's maybe 15 to 20 seconds and then a really short one that I, I like in my head I call them like a just vibes video that's like just the hero shots or something that like is aesthetic or whatever that's like less than 10 seconds. And then for every recipe, I'm getting three reels and I'm already shooting hero photos for the blog. So that gives me different, you know, static image carousel posts for Instagram. And then when I schedule them out, I'm, you know, I have now that's at least four pieces of content from one recipe. And then I might, if it's a recipe that has a unique technique to it, I might cut another video that just focuses on that technique you know, more uh, slowed down and not sped up so that I can share that and say, you know, oh, if you want to make this recipe, here's this technique slowed down, which people also find useful. So I'm just always looking for ways to take all this footage that I already have and turn it into something useful for my audience.
0: I love this. It's so easy to do that upfront to take all the footage and the photos and then just kind of figure out later how to use them in different ways. Mm -hmm. Do you ever find that if something doesn't work, like let's say you take a clip and put it onto an Instagram reel and it just like people don't like it? Or don't engage with it, do you go back and try to sort through and find something else for that recipe to put up?
1: Yeah, I do. I, I really don't take it to heart too much if a reel doesn't do well, because I think there's so many factors. It's like Instagram could have flipped a switch that day. Maybe it's a weekend. Maybe it's a holiday you didn't know about. Maybe, you know, whatever. There's any number of things. It might not be your content or maybe it is. And so sometimes I'll wait a little bit before I, I try again, but usually I try every recipe if it if the first video didn't do well, when I share the second one, I try something pretty radically different in the way I frame it or describe it, or which part of the video I focus on to see if maybe that does better. And then I might share the, you know, say I shared the six second video first and that's the one that didn't do well. You know, I try something different on the 20 second video. Maybe that does well. I might share the six second video again with a different angle on it, you know, maybe a month later and, you know, take what I learned from the 20 second video and say, maybe this with the six second video. And if I time it closer to the weekend, maybe now it'll do better.
0: Yeah. So thinking through timing as well. So not just what you're posting, but when you're posting. Mm hmm. Yeah. And then when you are doing your filming, how much time are you putting into that? You mentioned your phone that you use your phone. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I use my phone. I mean, it definitely takes longer than if you're making the recipe, not filming, but I do just kind of make it in real time. Some, you know, it depends on the recipe, it can be an hour, 2 hours. I shoot in natural light. I use artificial for photos, but for video I shoot natural light. So, I'm always a little bit at the mercy of of the sun and the weather to try to fit things in. But yeah, I mean, I, I film, I try to film the whole process, even like prep shots, you know, mincing carrots or peppers or whatever that, you know, I might not even end up using, but sometimes they're good to have. Cause I might be able to turn it into a video on how to mince carrots and peppers right. that is sort of completely separate from the recipe. The thing, so for a long time, I filmed a lot of my recipes and there was this app called Jump Rope that made it really Mm. easy to put together like how-to videos. And I would use just one of my static hero shots as like the final photo because of the way their template worked. And then Jump Rope went away. And now the thing that I constantly have to remind myself or I will forget is to film the finished recipe. Because for a long time, I didn't have any shots, like video shots mm. of the final recipe. And so that's often the thing that kind of takes the most time because you're like, you need to wait for something to cool or, you know, you're trying to get dinner on the table or whatever. But that's the the shot that is super important for me that I, I focus sometimes so much on the process that I forget I need to get yeah. the like, finished recipe
0: once everyone's eaten the dish, then you're like, oh no,
1: yeah, <laughs> I forgot yeah. to get
0: that. I've done that so many times. And then you, yeah, it's just an opportunity to make it again, right? And enjoy it again. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So do you have any examples that you can talk us through? I don't know if you want to like talk through how you think... Through repurposing from start to finish in a recipe? Do you know what I mean? Anything like that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: I mean, I do the same for every recipe because I think you really never know what is going to take off. So for every recipe, I'm going to cut three, two to three videos. Sometimes I'll cut four. Sometimes it's just as simple as like, I'm going to, some of my videos will start with the finished product and then The shorter video will just show the process or the 30 second video will start with like the first step of the recipe and you have to get to the end to see the finished recipe. The 20 second one might start with the finished recipe and then show the process. So I try to think through like, what are some different things so that, you know, it's that first like three seconds that like kind of determine if someone is going to watch your video. So that's where I try to think like, what can I make different about this that might grab people. Beyond that, it's obviously how you title it or frame it or whatever, but I try to think about, you know, what is the first shot of this video? Because that I know is what could make the difference in and who decides to watch it. But again, you never know what Mm. is gonna do well or take off. And so I kind of apply the same thing to every video and experiment as I go. Yeah. In terms of an example, I mean my best example is a video of mine that has gone ridiculously viral. It's a mini focaccia recipe. Ooh. It uses one cup of flour and it bakes in a loaf pan. And I first published it in July 2020. It was the pandemic. It was hard to find ingredients. Everyone was obsessed with bread making. I was like, this is going to be it. This recipe is going to go bananas. People are going to love it. And it fizzled. It just like didn't do anything. Some people made it, but it didn't. It wasn't any different than any of my other recipes. In 2021, I like got a comment from someone who like said it didn't quite work for them. So I used some of my readers and had them test the recipe Mm. for me, gave it an update, shot some new photos, but it was like an old blog post. It was like a couple paragraphs, some bullet points and a recipe. Like it was not optimized, none of that stuff. And I had shared a reel, like a 30-second, here's the process of the video, a couple times. And it, it was fine. You know, it did about as well as any of my other ones. And then in March 2022, so like fully almost two years after I first published the recipe, I was like scrolling through my Explore page on Instagram. And someone posted one of those videos that was like, any video you put to this six second clip of music will go viral. Yes. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, right. Absolutely (laughs) not. There's no way that'll happen, whatever. And I cut together two clips. It was like the unbaked focaccia in the pan and then the baked focaccia in the pan, six seconds long. It took about 10 minutes to put together. I like quickly added some text that said like, making a mini focaccia in a loaf pan using one cup of flour because I can. And I posted it. And this was, I mean, 2022 was kind of early in the reels, reels, you know, Instagram was promoting them. And for about a week, it didn't really do very much. I had another reel about a pizza that like got 500,000 views. And I was like, whoa, that's amazing. Like my reels never get that. And about a week after the mini focaccia went up, I looked at my real time traffic and was like, what the hell is going on? (laughs) There were so many people on my site and I went and looked and that reel, I think that reel now is sitting at like nine or 10 million views. Oh my gosh. I went from 5,000 followers on Instagram to 10,000 in a week. Wow. And after a month, I was at 30,000. Oh my goodness. And the, and the, the craziest thing was that it continued driving traffic for months. And this is a recipe that I had first published two years earlier wow. that had done fine. You know, it wasn't bad. It wasn't great. There were n- I had no inkling that there was any reason this was going to take off then. But because I repurposed old content <laughs> and I wow. used printing audio, it went bananas. And it uh, quite literally changed my
0: life. Oh, my gosh. That is so inspiring because speaking from my personal experience, I look at something that doesn't do well and I kind of discard it. I shove it aside. Mm -hmm. And I think we all kind of do that at times. Mm We're like, okay, well, I tried that. It didn't work. Okay, next. But you had faith like this was a new concept, like doing the focaccia in a loaf pan, super Mm -hmm. easy. You kept trying and it worked. And that is so cool, Rebecca, that you got so much traffic and you're Followers went up. Wow! It's now one of my most reliable. So, like, it, I published it in March, and then
1: you know, the traffic kind of kept coming. The audience kept growing. I think, like in October, I was at like fifty thousand followers on Instagram. And I tried when I first published it on Instagram, and it was going crazy. I put it on TikTok to see if it would do anything, and it didn't. It it was mm-hmm. just fine on TikTok. But then in December of last year. So I think I shared it, I went like six six months without sharing mini focaccia again because it felt really oversaturated. And then I started to notice, you know, my traffic in October was kind of dipping down. And so I was like, I'm gonna share it again. And it went viral all over
0: again. Oh my
1: gosh. Because it had been six months and you know everyone who had seen it had seen it months ago, you know, or, you know, Anytime time in the past six months. So it went again. It wasn't quite as big this time, but it went again. And then in December, like my husband and I were watching a movie, like on, it was like Christmas Eve. And I just like quickly, there was a a trending audio on TikTok that was from Wicked. It was that you will be popular Mm. thing. And so again, it's like a five second clip. And I put it with like POV, you just learned about the mini focaccia recipe you can make with one cup of flour, you will be popular. And we're like 30 minutes into this movie. And my husband is like still a little bit mad about this, but... (laughs) I open real-time traffic on my phone, and I have a 1,000 people on my site simultaneously. And my TikTok went from like 4,000 followers to 95,000 followers in the span of like a week. Whoa. So I did the same thing on Instagram. I took the same audio from Wicked, and I did it. And I went from like 55 followers on Instagram to 100,000 on Instagram in like two weeks from Mini Focaccia again.
0: That's incredible. I love that. That's so inspiring. I think for everyone listening, we're all going to be inspired by that. Hey, food bloggers. If you are an intermediate or advanced recipe publisher ready to take your SEO skills to the next level... And see an actionable ROI from SEO education, then the SEO Summit put on by Tastemaker might be a great fit for you. SEO is the thing we are all told we need to focus on, but it can be a daunting target that feels ever changing and constantly moving. Tastemaker is here to help you work through all your pain points and questions about how to master SEO for your food blog so you can drive quality traffic to your website with the goal of earning you more revenue and business. Sign up for the Tastemaker SEO Summit. It is a two-day in-person event taking place in Brooklyn, New York, starting on October 4th, 2023. Go to eblogtalk.com forward slash resources, scroll down to the orange button underneath the Tastemaker logo for more information and to sign up.
1: And it's the same footage often. You know, I edit it in like in shot. It's the same like six or seven second clip. Sometimes I'll share a longer version of it because people inevitably ask like, where's the full recipe? You know, but it's it's the same thing. And I, and now I have a little more of a sense of what key phrases, you know, mentioning one cup of flour works well, mentioning it bakes in a loaf pan works well, you know, what kind of things trigger these sort of viral responses. But, you know, if you go back to July 2020, when I first shared that recipe, I had no way of knowing that this was the recipe that would do this.
0: Right, right. You just never know what's going to resonate yeah. with people. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have advice for people as far as just knowing what to lean into? Like you knew you, it seems like you had a sense that that recipe could have potential. Mm -hmm. You know, how do we know what's going to have potential?
1: Yeah, I think almost any recipe can have potential, but I think the ones that have something unique to them or that solve a problem for people do very well. So I've since done some other mini bread recipes. I have a mini ciabatta and like a mini Dutch oven bread that are both that same one cup of flour size. And they also do very well, not quite as well as the loaf pan. But I just always think about what is the thing that is unique about this? Is it the texture? Is it the cooking method? Is it the time it takes to do it? Is it the size of it? Is this a big batch recipe? Is this a small recipe? You know, what about my version of this is different from other people's? And I think finding ways to highlight that gives you a good chance of getting traction because people like things that are surprising and that encourages sharing as well. And sharing kind of helps things
0: yeah. grow. Yeah. So thinking through what makes it unique, what makes it easy, what makes it, I think, did you use the word shocking or surprising? Yeah.
1: Surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Is it a one pan recipe? Is it, you know, super creamy? Is it, you know, using canned goods? Is it shelf stable? Is it, you know, nostalgic? Like what are the things that like make it unique and special or surprising? I have a, focaccia pizza recipe that that does pretty well consistently and I always emphasize that most recipes you dimple the focaccia and then put the sauce on and mine you put the sauce on and then you dimple it so you're pushing the sauce into the dough and that always people are always like oh that's so smart I have never seen that before I need to try this So, you know, there's plenty of focaccia pizza recipes out there, but by emphasizing this thing that most people haven't thought about that is unique to it, it resonates.
0: Yeah. This is such a cool way to think through what we have already created on our sites and to kind of go back and just peruse our list of recipes and see what stands out if we have this at the top of our minds, like thinking about that unique factor, the surprising factor, easy, like super easy, one cup of flour. That's super cool. And just... Maybe just seeing what pops up, what sparks, you know, creativity or inspiration. And just if you have footage, like take it and reuse it and see what happens, right? Yeah. I
1: always tell people like start with your like top 10 most popular blog posts because they're probably popular for a reason. And if you can find something in those, you know, you'll kind of get a good sense. Like you're sort of setting yourself up for a better chance at success. Yeah. Because you're already starting with something that is popular.
0: Absolutely. So repurposing on obviously Instagram, you can try TikTok. Is there anywhere else we should be thinking about with repurposing?
1: I'll be honest. I don't really do Pinterest much. Like I I put stuff there, but I don't have a a Pinterest strategy really. I was kind of sharing some of my reels there because I edit them without any audio and then I use the library of whatever platform to find the audio. But They never really seem to do much there. And now Instagram has a thing where if you're connected to your Facebook page, it'll share the reels to your Facebook page automatically. So I'm not really repurposing for Facebook anymore because the Instagram reels just go there. I do reuse, you know, I use the same footage that I use for my reels to edit my YouTube videos and web story videos. They're just a little bit slowed down. They're not quite the like rapid fire that you expect of Instagram reels, but it's all the same footage. I'm not going to film the recipe again to do those. And my YouTube template, you know, YouTube's horizontal, my YouTube template has a vertical video slot in it. So there's text on one side, and then I can just Use my vertical video mm. in my horizontal video without having to like shoot a horizontal version, and then I use the same edits. I guess the other place to be thinking about is if you're on YouTube doing YouTube Shorts.
0: Mm. Yes, I've heard that's pretty effective just for those really short, quippy things that you want to yeah add up and see if they go. Yeah,
1: I don't fully understand the YouTube Shorts algorithm, but I'm kind of like again, if you have the content and I already have it edited, it doesn't take long to right upload it and get it out there it can't hurt
0: yeah and then one other thing one other place I don't think we've mentioned that I know a few food bloggers who really have tapped into the magic of this is Facebook reels so just if you're putting up an Instagram reel it's different like you have to do it separately in order to get really good traction I think but just trying Facebook reel and seeing if it works yeah. there too.
1: I was trying them for a while and I've tried you know it's the same advice of like try, try the things that, you know, work and mini focaccia never really did anything on Facebook reels. Facebook reels really didn't work well for me. They're still not working that well, but now that they post automatically from Instagram, I'm getting a little, like I had a mini focaccia one recently that got maybe 4,000 plays on Facebook, which is great for a Facebook reel for me. Usually they get like 50 plays. Yeah. But it's not enough that I'm like, this is again, why I'm like, I don't want to create content for Facebook, right? I don't want to just create content for Instagram or just for TikTok. The only time I'll create something unique to a platform is if there's a trending audio and it's like, I can quickly cut together three clips that I already have to match the audio or use like a cap cut template or something. That's the only time because... If it's trending on TikTok, that doesn't mean it's trending on Instagram. And so I don't need it on both. But, you know, if I've already cut together my three different reels, why
0: not put it on every platform and see what happens? Absolutely. Might as well try, right? Mm-hmm. And then I have a question about viral videos. So you mentioned you waited mm-hmm. six months between the times when you mm-hmm. got virality with your fokasha do you have any other tips about when things go viral? Things you should do, avoid? Yeah, anything at all? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, well, so the first thing I'll say is I waited six months the first time because I felt like it was oversaturated. Now I'm like, once a month, I have a mini bread recipe video that's going up, whether it's mini focaccia, mini ciabatta, the small batch crusty bread. I'm sharing them a lot more often. I'm much less precious about it because I'm realizing, (laughs) you know, not everyone sees everything. Not everyone is paying as close attention as I am. And reels also tend to be shared more, not with your existing audience, but with new people. So I'm much less concerned with like oversharing that at this point, because it, it seems to sort of consistently do well. But in terms of like what to do if something does go viral. So when my mini focaccia went viral, like I said, it was an old, unupdated blog post. And I watched my RPMs drop. (laughs) And I watched, I was like, my earnings should be going up. Well, what's going on? And it's because I hadn't updated the post for SEO or RPM or any of those things. And so... At first, because I was trying so hard to like not get pulled in by the lure of a traffic spike. And I was like, SEO, SEO, (laughs) SEO. I like I was like any day now the spike is going to die off. It's going to die off. And then like with each day as it was getting bigger, I think like on the third day, I was like, I need to update that blog post. I'm losing Mm -hmm. out on money. And so I very quickly shot new photos, process shots, a video and updated the blog post Like literally, while the bread was rising, like in between shots, I was like updating the blog (laughs) post to try to turn it around, and my earnings like grew dramatically, like literally the next day. Um, once I had done that, so that's one thing. I think another thing you want to do is like make sure the trending recipe is on your homepage. I I always have mini focaccia sort of in the the first recipe in my trending section at the top of my homepage because people are looking for it and not everyone understands how LinkedIn bio works or any of those things. And so just having it right on your homepage for people to find really reduces the friction in getting that traffic. You also want to check, you know, make sure your bio is up to date, especially if you're like, look, I had like 5,000 followers. I was like, I'm not being looked at by a lot of people. I don't need to you know, keep this updated that much. And once it started going viral, and I was like, Oh, like, I have a lot more followers. Now I need them to understand, you know, they only know me from one video. They don't know me from all my other Mm. stuff, I need to make sure that my bio reflects that for them. I also created like an Instagram story template, sort of introducing myself with like a photo of me and like a Hi, I'm Rebecca if you're new here, here's what I'm about. Here's what you can expect. I was kind of sharing that like every few days because so many new people were coming in with no idea yeah. who I am. And I wanted to make sure, you know, that they knew and I didn't want to have to keep recreating it. So having that kind of template is really helpful. I've also found that when you have something going viral and you have a lot of new followers coming in, and uh, I mean, for all I know, Instagram changed this, but I feel like your stories get shown to more new followers. So I made sure to kind of use my Instagram stories to like promote my other social channels, my newsletter, promote YouTube, engage with like new followers and old followers. So like doing not quite an AMA, but like, I like to ask my, you know, people who've been around for a while, like, what are your favorite recipes? because it's a great way to like show new followers it's like social proof of like there's more here than just mini focaccia you know and it it helps sort of create a sense of community and i start sharing you know if i have other mini recipes start sharing those i'll move my social content calendar around to put more mini recipes in because if you've just followed me for one you might not know that i have others and it will help those other ones do well as well so you know, it's, it's like engaging with new people, making sure your stuff is up to date and that people can find what they're looking for easily and that they know who you are, I think is really important.
0: Yeah. That's stuff that I don't think through, but (laughs) I, I mean, that's really good to have in my mind personally, just like, yeah, obviously if people are coming here and they've never been to your site or your account before, you want to give them the full picture. Like I'm more than just this focaccia recipe. I am Rebecca and I offer this and here's my value. And doing that might get you some repeat followers and blog traffic and all of that. So I think that's really great to think through.
1: Yeah. The other thing I would say is obviously if people are tagging you because they made the recipe, like share that. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I have taken to doing is if someone like DMs me or even if they comment on a post and they say they made it or if they just tag me and they made it, I will message them directly and say, I'm so glad you loved my recipe. Would you mind leaving a comment and review on the Mm -hmm. blog post itself? That really helps me out. Yeah. And that that converts very well. People are happy to do it. And once they've left one comment, they're more likely to leave other comments when they make other recipes because they've done it before.
0: And they probably feel a little bit honored that you asked. Like, oh, she wants my comment on your blog. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I also do in my newsletter, I share my favorite comments each week. So I often sort of promote, like, if you want to be featured in my newsletter, you know, leave a comment.
0: (gasps) Okay. I've never thought to do that. That's great. Like, even taking a screenshot of it, do you do just, like, a screenshot and what people say no
1: I I use Flowdesk, which has like a little block format
0: for like gotcha yep like I know customer what you mean.
1: reviews or whatever yeah. yeah and so I just pop them in there with the, and you know you put a little photo of the recipe and it links to the recipe and people seem to like that and it's again it's that social proof of like you know your newsletter readers are seeing other people are making the recipes and liking them and what they're liking about
0: them you know Okay, such a great perspective on repurposing the amazing content that we all create. And this is also a way to just kind of, I feel like, take control of your content a little bit, whether it's on social media or your blog. And instead of adapting to all of the changes, you know what I mean? Like just having a little mm-hmm. control, like I'm going to do it this way and and be willing to make changes, whether it's a description change or a clip change or whatever, it's like we are taking the reins a little bit from the platforms. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I think so. And I think it's, you know, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is like, I think, the definition of insanity or something like yes. I think there's a, a quote or something, you know, if you do that. And so I do think like, you know, I've noticed in the past week or so that some of the things that I've expected to do better aren't doing as well. And so I'm just sort of back in like observation mode. I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing, but I'm paying a little bit more attention to see like, oh, are they rewarding shorter videos right now? Is it just that I haven't had something go viral in a bit and this is my new normal and that's okay? You know, you just kind of go into observation mode for a little bit and see, is something changing? What is the, I always am like, what is the lowest lift way I can respond to whatever change I'm seeing? Right. I don't want to burn myself out. I don't want to go, you know, nuts trying to, to chase whatever Instagram or Facebook is trying to do. My priority is always driving traffic to my site. And if Instagram's driving traffic to my site, then I'm happy to spend my time on Instagram and drive traffic to my site. But if Instagram's not, I'm going to focus on the things that are, you know, I'll try to figure Instagram out, but I want to spend my energy on the things that are the most rewarding and valuable to me. And so I do think it kind of gives you some control back because it makes it really easy to just keep updating the platform without burning out and gives you kind of a lot of data to work with. You know, and not even data like in a like you need a spreadsheet and hard numbers, but just anecdotal data of like what seems to be resonating. The more you post, the more feedback you get.
0: Right. And not just resigning yourself to, oh, the focaccia didn't work. Okay. I'm going to focus on the bagels now. Like you can give yourself control by going back and like, wait a second. I have faith in this recipe. This is amazing. One cup of flour, people. Like, you know, and just reworking it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think also, like, if you're having fun, your audience can sense you're having fun. And I think sometimes being a little weird, or a little funny, or a little like, off the cuff, and, you know, real or doing something that's like a meme or whatever, you know, I think people respond to that kind of stuff. And so I think sometimes taking like a throw the spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks kind of approach, especially if you're small, like, it can feel like everyone is looking at you and studying every single thing you do. But most people are not looking that closely. Mm. You know, it's worth it to like, have a little fun, try something a little out there, experiment with your voice, or, you know, the way you you frame something, because you might be surprised by by what works. And if it doesn't work, no one really saw it. So it's fine.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Trey. <again>. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. This is so fun. I love this perspective. Thank you, Rebecca. Is there anything that we've missed that you would like to touch on before we say goodbye? I think the
1: only thing I, I want to say is like virality and, you know, it, even not even virality, but just when a video does well, but then especially if it goes viral, it's very exciting, but also it can bring a lot of like hate comments or trolling mm. or whatever. And so just, I just want to reiterate, like, it is super exciting to chase traffic and numbers and plays and views, but also make sure you like take care of yourself. And, yeah. you know, when, remember that when people are, when something is going viral, well, people are finding you for the first time and they don't know everything else that you've done. They don't know the, the whole of who you are as a person, your other content, And just because they're yelling at you or being rude about something doesn't mean you have done anything wrong. If you need to step away, if you can't engage with everything, if you need to take a break, like make sure you take care of yourself when these things happen because it can be really exciting, but it it can also be kind of hard to process sometimes.
0: I love that you said this. This is something that we forget about. We get so excited about the viral and the traffic and the attention, but then there's that little Part that's like oh people are really mean and they are they can be really mean and that can yeah, yeah that can be yeah i've just... had
1: stuff go viral in a really nice way and then i had all of italian tiktok mad at me once because they thought i was calling dried basil pesto which oh. i was not <laughs> it was a pesto made using dried basil and like Aww. that also went mega viral but drove no traffic and all it did was get people mad at me so Aww. like Going viral can be very fun and very exciting, but also there are times when you want to, you know, protect yourself. It's okay if you need to step away. It's okay if you want to turn comments off. You know, do what you need to do to, you know, protect your mental health.
0: Yeah. No, that's a really good um, mention and piece of it. So thank you, Rebecca. This was amazing. And do you have a favorite quote or words of inspiration to leave us with before we go? Yes, I
1: do. My favorite quote is from the original Star Trek series. Ooh. Captain Kirk says, the more complex the mind, the greater the need for the simplicity of play. Oh. And I think of this all the time when I'm blogging, and I've kind of touched on this a little bit. But I think a lot of times blogging can feel like checklists of data and SEO and, and these numbers and this ranking and this mm-hmm. DA and all this technical stuff. But at the end of the day, it's ultimately about sharing recipes for our readers to enjoy. And it's just as important to like have fun and be playful and creative. And, you know, we understand all these complex technical things, all the things that make our sites work and rank and, you know, perform well. But I found that some of like my best successes have come from the moments when I trust that I know those things well enough and decide to just have a bit of fun. And I think that's that's a good thing to keep in mind, whether you're you know, doing your SEO and your blog post writing or creating reels and videos and trying different things.
0: Amazing words to end on. Thank you so much for that. We'll put together show notes for you, Rebecca. If you want to go look at those, you can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash practical kitchen. Tell everyone where they can find you online, Rebecca.
1: I am at thepracticalkitchen.com at the.practical.kitchen on Instagram, at the practical kitchen on TikTok. I'm on Twitter at practical kitsch because I didn't have enough characters to fit (laughs) kitchen. And I'm on Facebook as well. If you search the practical kitchen, you can find all of my social stuff. I'm on YouTube as well. You can find all of it on my site and at the link in my bio on Instagram.
0: Awesome. Go check Rebecca out, everyone. And thank you so much for listening. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of eBlog Talk. Please share this episode with a friend who would benefit from tuning in. I will see you next time.